0: Hi, I'm Brandon Briscoe, and welcome to The Postscript. Hi, welcome to another episode of LFBI's The Postscript, where we're interviewing pastors and professors from LFBI and asking them questions about their ministry, uh, about the content that they're teaching in the Bible School, And just catching up on life. And so I have the privilege this week of interviewing my best friend, Dan Renault. And so it's a real treat to be able to sit here and talk to him. Today we're going to talk about discipleship and what that means for his church and our fellowship of churches. And so I'm going to begin by asking you, Dan, about what is biblical discipleship. We talk about it a lot uh, Mm -hmm. in LFBI. We talk about it a lot in Living Faith Fellowship. It's a concept that was handed down to us. Um, and it 's kind of our heritage is biblical discipleship. Will you describe mm-hmm. uh what biblical discipleship means?
1: Yeah, I think one of the biggest dangers of churches that claim to be discipleship churches is they make it into a program. Mm-hmm. you know they make it into one of the things that we do as a church, and so we have our evangelism ministry, we have our sports ministry. Oh by the way, we also have a discipleship ministry, sure. And really that's problematic. You know, We know that that's problematic. Uh, discipleship needs to be the thing we do. And it, so it's not a program and it's not one of the things that we do. It's it,
0: not a ministry, it's the ministry. It is the
1: ministry. Yeah, yeah it is the ministry uh, that God has given us uh, in the Great Commission for his church. And so discipleship cannot be, and it's not for me, it, it has to be something that permeates everything that we do as local churches. So, because of that, even though we have tools, you know we have our our bible our, our uh, biblical discipleship lessons mm-hmm. um, it's not based upon the lessons right uh, it's it's not based upon going through a curriculum, if you will now that that's helpful it's helpful for us to it's a guide. to have those things right but biblical discipleship it cannot be a program. it has to be uh, something where there's a transfer of life where one individual is investing. Uh, as Paul did, uh, as many other of the apostles, and, and as Christ surely did uh, it 's it's one individual investing what God has done in them in another person 's life mm-hmm. not perfection, uh, not you know uh, some person who has all the answers by far that 's not going to happen, uh, but it 's a person investing in another person
0: mm-hmm. so you know we hear a lot about discipleship from really culturally it 's a really big pop culture, Christian term that's being used a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, lots of people talking about discipleship, talk about, talking about it in terms of perhaps a program. Uh, others just fail to define their terms completely. And so let's just take a moment. Let's define what discipleship looks like, say, in your church or in at Midtown or in maybe other living faith churches. Uh, walk us through what the process of discipleship looks like for just the average person who decides, hey, I want, to, I want to grow in my faith. I know it's not good enough to just be a church attender. I know that I'm being called to mm-hmm. minister and own uh, the work of God for myself. What does that look like?
1: Well, I think one of the big things is discipleship is not just a Bible study. Mm-hmm. Although clearly the Bible is the central component of anything that we would call discipleship, mm-hmm. but it can't just be a Bible study where I go to a Bible study or I'm in a class. Or a community
0: group or a Sunday school class. Yes, all those things are great.
1: Yeah, yeah, And those things can be discipleship. Yeah. They can absolutely be, but we can't just assume that those things are creating disciples of Jesus Christ. Right, right. One of the things that I always say at at Living Faith, and and I would much rather have uh, a person that might not be super knowledgeable. We we don't want a novice discipling another person, but... I would rather have a person that has great virtue as a discipler leading someone else to be a follower of Jesus Christ as well, Mm -hmm. to truly behave and act and respond as a Christian, as a little Christ. And so I would always uh, look for virtue in my disciplers rather than the people who have all the answers. Mm -hmm. Um, Sometimes the people who have all the answers are not really good people.
0: Mm -hmm. And not necessarily... um, investing the life that's needful into the person that they're they're discipling, right? So yeah. it's got to be a person of, of high character to effectively disciple another believer is what you're saying.
1: Absolutely. And, you know, we've said it many times, but, but to say it again, it's not the transfer of knowledge. Mm-hmm. It's not just the person is transferring all of these great things I know about the Bible, but it's the transfer of their life and Pursuing a walk with the Lord, this mm-hmm. is what it looks like. Right, and so we're not looking for know-it-alls. Otherwise, what gets reproduced is Pharisees, mm-hmm. and and churches like ours can be privy to that. We can be very close to being Pharisaical rather than being disciples. Yeah, because our passion for God's word. Yeah,
0: and you know, I think um, for,
1: I'm sorry. First Peter five seven one one five through seven though is is where I'd be going with this, is that we, we add to our faith knowledge. Mm-hmm. We don't add virtue. Right. And so because there's something that once you start getting the Word of God in you, it's so amazing. Mm-hmm. And yet we skip over virtue so frequently, and it's, it can be toxic. Right. And you actually discipled me. So, yes, I did. Um,
0: I remember it was probably 2001. Mm-hmm. I've uh, probably only been in the college ministry at KCBT for a month or two, you approaching me and asking if I had thought about discipleship, which I had not, Yes. <laughs> I don't think.
1: I remember exactly where I was.
0: I remember where I was standing, too. Yeah. It was kind of near the, the ca- that cafe yeah. area where the doors were. Uh-huh, yeah. It was that, that side the of felcival. the fellowship hall. Yeah. 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 And, uh, and I prayed about it. And then in a, a month later, you were discipling me. Yeah. Which was great, and it was huge for me. And I always felt like, uh, I mean, we were at it a while. There was probably a lot of undoing that needed that needed to be done. But it was it I didn't was, know what I was doing. Either, to me, so. to me, it was such a. I mean, it was the it's the most important thing that's ever happened in terms of my my walk with Christ, is that time that we had together. And since then, obviously, I I'm discipling, you're discipling, we're. I don't know how it happened but we're pastors now but as as far as like from that time that, that we met and you invested in me and now i guess almost two decades later i know yeah which is really disturbing Sorry. to say uh you're got you've got a church full of of people who are growing and some are in discipleship now and yeah. so How have things changed in terms of your concept, perception, or now as a pastor who's leading a ministry of people who are just doing exactly what you and I did together, how do you envision them? What does it look like? I think there's a lot of questions about what does it look like to have a brand new church full of people who might not know much about what discipleship is, and you're envisioning them for that work. Tell us about all of that.
1: Well, I think uh, one of the things that I always want to be careful for is I don't want people to become like me. Mm-hmm. and to disciple like me. Uh, everyone has a, a different personality and a different way of doing things, but but one of the things I do always want to push is that um, the people that you're teaching the Word of God, the people that, that you're showing them the Scriptures, is that they know that you love them, mm-hmm. that, that you want to spend time with them, that you want to share life with them, you know, not to sound too cheesy, but mm-hmm. but you actually really desire them as, as, a, as a soul. Mm-hmm. I think Sam said it a while back. But, but when you are discipling, you, you actually, God has, has entrusted you. He's put a soul in your hand, and, and you now are responsible for that soul. Mm-hmm. It's pretty amazing. And I've always tried to remind our people at Living Faith that what you're doing now is is not simple or small. It's quite possibly the most important investment this other person is going right. to have in their entire life. Mm-hmm. We have to take it seriously. Mm-hmm. One of the things I heard
0: you say, uh, Mission Focus a few years ago, concerning evangelism and, and and discipleship as well, is that when we're investing in people, it can't be transactionary. Mm-hmm. Right? Like it, this idea that it can't be, um, the investment can't be strictly for some sort of outcome that we've preconception or expectation that we have. It has to be about that
2: person.
1: Yeah. And, and I think we all need to be responsible for redeeming the time. And as we are sensitive to the spirit, which I think is the big thing, mm-hmm. I think we love to have our policies, we love to have our ideas as to how to do ministry. Our
0: rules, like you've got to finish discipleship yes. within six months or nine months, and yeah, you have to finish this lesson each week, and
1: all of those things. Or, and, yeah. and I think I think we love to follow these these structures, and they're fantastic, and they help us. Right. But we also just need to be sensitive to the spirit's leading. Right. And there are times when God, through His Word. He's going to speak to you, and he's going to t- tell you that, okay, it's time to stop discipling this person, mm-hmm. or, or they're clearly showing that they're not faithful in this manner. Mm-hmm. But that has to be a spirit-led thing. Uh, it can't just be, well, they they didn't come to church for two weeks, and so mm-hmm. I'm, I'm canceling this out. Right. And so it cannot just be a transaction. It has to be something that is uh, based upon a relationship. Otherwise, the moment they stop serving God, well, you don't care. I'm off yeah, to the next person. You've written
0: them off. Which I do is, believe
1: that there's times when God does tell you it's time to right. move on. We know that. Right. But I think we can sometimes come off this from a very uh, egotistical standpoint mm-hmm. as disciplers.
0: Because the objective ultimately is to create, through you, God create a virtuous person well, who can minister to others also, who can, who can also disciple, who is living in a life of conformity to Christ. And
1: that's hard work. It's that's hard work, and, and before Paul gives us one of the most important verses in the entire Bible on discipleship, 2 Timothy 2.2, mm-hmm. he gives us verse 1, and he tells Timothy to be strong in the grace that's found in our Lord Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. Before he tells us how to disciple, and, and the things that you've heard of me, and the things that you're going to tell faithful men and others also, he says, be strong in grace. Mm. And I think we skip that. And once again, we're going from faith to knowledge versus faith to virtue to knowledge. And we need to be disciples of grace. Mm-hmm. And grace is matched with truth. Right. If grace is not present with the truth of the word of God, well, it's not grace anymore. And if truth is given without grace, then it's usually grievous to handle.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And it just produces, like you were talking about, Pharisees. Puffed Most, up, Puffed yes. up people. Or people that just can't live up to your expectations. Mm. You couldn't either, you know? Right, we hold people uh, to standards that we don't even keep. (laughs) Which is what Christ said. Right, yeah.
0: So then what what does it look like to have a healthy, young church of disciple-makers?
1: Well, I'll tell you, um, when we first started um, with more of a systematic process of discipleship, obviously we're hoping that everything we do is discipleship. Uh, When we first started, it was all hands on deck. We're discipling groups of people. My wife and I were discipling four people. Because there were so point. many young believers. There was, you yeah, didn't it, have enough people to... No, we didn't. And uh, there's a lot of tire kickers. There's mm-hmm. a lot of people who um, are claiming to want to be a part of it and truly are, are not. It reminds me of, of Nehemiah with Tobias and Sandballot, where mm-hmm. they say, hey, we want to help you build. We had a lot of that. And you are tempted as a church planter to just say yes. And, and partly for grace sake, because you want new people who don't have a church, who want to be a part, you want to give them an opportunity. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's, it's difficult. It, it is a very difficult process because we had a fair share of people who claimed to want to help and be a part, and that they were submitted. And they truthfully were Tobias and Sanballat. Mm-hmm. And the moment it was revealed that they weren't actually with us, but they were against us, Mm. Uh, they deterred the work. Yeah. And so that's that would be advice I'd give to another church planner, is is you don't want to you don't want to be, you know, uh, distant. Preventative. Right. You want to give opportunities. Right. And you're yeah. in such a vulnerable place. And people are leading in ministries that you would never do uh, right. at your ascending church because you have strength, you have maturity. Yeah. And so you put people in places that you might not always do. Right. Um, and and you just you pray. Yeah, you ask the Lord to protect the church, His church, and to teach them faith. Yes, and and to show them how that they can grow. And then, as people do, prove themselves whether they are snakes or saints. You mm-hmm. know, um, it's a learning lesson, mm-hmm. and you get some thick skin, but you can't you can't lose love. Yeah, because then you become bitter, uh, and that's just the most unhealthy thing. You mm-hmm. just got to keep knowing that God wants to save save sinners. He wants to bring souls into His kingdom. And I believe that.
0: Yeah. And so you've seen a lot of people come through biblical discipleship, Mm -hmm. D1, what we often refer to as D1, and even grown to the point where they were ready for discipleship too, which is, for us, basically a classroom setting where people are learning deeper truths about character, but also deeper truths about how to study God's word, a philosophy of discipleship, and how to move forward in, in ministry leadership? It's kind of an onboarding class for ministry yeah. leadership. Mm-hmm. And you've actually gone through a year of D two. Um, how many? How Not many people have been through? Our, the...
1: our first year, we went through it because we had to. We, we were taking people through discipleship one our first year of existence. And mm-hmm. so when we finished that in September of our second year, we started our first year of D two. And so this is our. We have we have a full group of people who have been through D two. We're starting our second year, which is mm-hmm. exciting. Um, we had twenty five people, which is really uh, cool. Our first year, and we have about fifteen,
0: which is like was a fifth of your ch- church essentially was in D two. Yeah, yeah, it's That's
1: a, awesome. It's a good number. Yeah, and so uh, it's it's really exciting.
0: And now people are are um, in LFBI. Even you even have mm-hmm. young and growing leaders who are in LFBI and taking clas- uh, classes through the Bible Institute. So what does that look
1: like as people grow? I mean. Well, like what you said, you said it was an onboarding. I believe that if people have D1 and D2, and I've said this, you know I've said Mm -hmm. this, they have more than most pastors do throughout the world. If we truly would apply what we're learning in discipleship one and discipleship two, applying it, not just knowing it. And so I'm a big fan. Mm-hmm. I, it's just everything to me, is, right. is if we could be a church of disciples who know how to disciple. Uh, but I do believe that D2 is, it, it provides this evaluation, mm. almost like a self-evaluation. Uh, people have to consider whether or not they have these character qualities mm-hmm. that are found in a man or woman of God. They have to consider whether or not they are submitting their life to the flesh or the spirit um, they do. They get to see the seven stages of spiritual growth, where they're at in that track, and and then we begin to understand what what the philosophy of discipleship is, and and how to disciple, and even just the rules of Bible study. But before we ever get to all of those things, which right. those are the, those are the exciting things, we have to really look at ourselves, you know, in the face and mm-hmm. and, and ask ourselves whether or not are you actually this person? Mm-hmm. And uh, I think discipleship, it, it's not, it doesn't just. Make you a discipler. Discipleship too doesn't just make you a discipler. Right. Um, you really have to ask yourself, you know, God, is, are these things present in my life? And so, I'm, I'm a big fan of D2. Right? right. It's it's very important. And so,
0: so as someone who's been through Shepherd School, which is basically you know um, the predecessor mm-hmm. of Living Faith Bible Institute, what what value do you see in in having among our fellowship of churches? a Bible institute that you can trust, what does that bring to the table in terms of planning churches and having a, kind of a
1: fledgling work? Well, okay, so let me go back to D2, okay. D1 and D2. D1 is 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 looking to find people that have virtue mm-hmm. and, and, and people that are willing to worship God, be established in his word, be um, faithful in, in the church and in, in the work of the ministry. So there's a a, a local and a personal context. Mm-hmm. D2 now suggests that that we're looking for people who are who are willing to teach others also. Mm-hmm. That they're they're going to become disciplers, but still yet the context is local church. Mm-hmm. Um, LFBI begins to expand that scope to where now we're speaking of not just generational discipleship, but the hopes of generational church planting. Mm-hmm. D1 and D2 for everything that they are. I believe that's the beginning for our our men who are right. who believe that they're called to be pastors, or even for the people who are who are being called to shepherd in some capacity. Mm-hmm. LFBI, it gives us what what I believe the strength, right, to to begin sending out our men and teams uh to plant churches, not just for this generation, but but on. Mm-hmm. And so, what what I believe that LFBI accomplishes, and the rich amount of, of professors we have and, and pastors we have throughout the fellowship, it's 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 uncanny right. what what we have at our fingertips. Mm-hmm. Uh, I believe that what it is doing, and and the whole scope of it, is to create generational discipleship on a pastoral level. And and D1 is doing that, mm-hmm. and D2 is doing that. But LFBI is, is going it's, a step further. It's a refining. It's, it's icing on the cake is what I always mm-hmm. say. LFBI is icing on the cake. And uh, man, it's, it's good. But it's, it's a generational thing that is needed for us just not to be, well, well once you know Sam is, is gone, once I'm gone, once you're mm-hmm. gone, what do we do next? I mm-hmm. think LFBI is, is the tool that God has given us to have a generational focus on church planting mm. uh, in, in the states and throughout the world
0: as a As a pastor and a teacher, right? Like as your profession, you're also a, a professor. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, you recognize the value of education and deeper learning, right? you you get that innately. But what does it mean to know that you don't have to send, like say you've got i mean, hopefully d one and d two have done the work that they need to do, and you have potential pastors and potential ministry leaders in your midst. what does it What does it do to know that you don't have to send them off to seminary? or like you're looking at me like you would never even imagine doing that mm. but yeah that's painful to know to think in our of. in our in our fellowship that we can actually retain our ministers develop them in the work and then also and then also
1: teach them i mean it's everything I, I don't even know how i would answer the question honestly to say that i think it'd be okay uh, i'm not saying that that people can't grow in those settings i'm mm-hmm. not trying to deny that but um, from the testimonies that i've heard and from the people that I've talked to so frequently is what is happening um, throughout America, at least, is that the places that we're sending are, are growing leaders, that it's taking out the Bible from their hands. Um, it's calling into question. Absolutely, authority. everything. Right. Yeah. The authority of the scriptures is, is taken away. And so what you are doing is you're spent D1, D2, you're creating a DNA Of what we believe. This is what we believe, and then all of a sudden you send them off to the wolves, Mm. and so that is just the most damaging thing I think a pastor could do. When you think about it, it is the responsibility of the local church to train up our our, our people, men and women, to train them up. It is it is my responsibility, and so the fact that I can also trust other men who I love dearly and who I respect Mm -hmm. and who I know have the same understanding of the Word of God, and many times a much better understanding of the Word of God. Mm-hmm. Uh, that is a treat, mm-hmm. and it's precious. And what we have in the fellowship is precious. Um, I think it's a, a wonderful thing that we have, that we have men that are willing to invest in this next generation of leaders. Mm-hmm. It's beautiful. Yeah.
0: Do you feel like, um, you know, in that same way of thinking, thinking about the mission, thinking about Living faithfully. Summit, do you already foresee the first church that you're going to be able to plant like is that like i assume that that's present in your mind and that's part of the vision but what does that look like to be thinking about that
1: and oh well i am thinking about it Mm -hmm. yes and i want to prepare my men to think about that and i I believe that they are because they know what our vision and mission is about Mm -hmm. we're not looking to be the biggest show in town uh, we're looking to make disciples who are willing to make disciples. And by God's grace, we would be a sending and equipping church. Mm-hmm. And so my leaders, they hear that all the time, that this is what we're going to do. I definitely think about it. I have my own thoughts, but right. But however the Lord will work, and, and maybe however the Lord will work between the fellowships. Mm-hmm. It could be that there's an opportunity, like my brother going to Boston. Mm-hmm. Who knows, down the road, maybe there's People from Harvest or people from you know Heartland or, or Living Faith or Midtown that will join later. Uh, I just believe that there's so much that can be done as we work together, yeah. um, both locally in our own regional areas, but even nationally and internationally. Right. Yeah. So this is this has been
0: a great segment on on discipleship and even what discipleship looks like in a new church plant. And so, thanks for being here, Dan. And we'll continue we'll continue talking. Um, over the next few weeks about some of these subjects. and In fact, next time we're together, we're going to talk about um, the content from Jeremiah that that Dan recently taught at a retreat uh, for our college and young adult people here in Kansas City and just how impactful that was for us. And and I want to hear more about what Dan has to say about what he was learning in God's Word when he was studying Jeremiah. We want to thank you for being a part of the postscript And we want to ask you to leave a review on whatever uh, podcast format that you're using, whether it's Apple Podcasts or something else. Leave a review and just let us know uh, what you are enjoying or or what we can be improving on. If you have an opportunity, go over to YouTube and subscribe to our YouTube channel. Uh, We want to invite you to to watch and or listen uh, to the Postscript Weekly. And uh, we want to thank you for joining us again this week. And we'll see you next week. If you've got questions about Living Faith Bible Institute or the postscript, please visit lfbi.org.